Welcome to the Peak Community Church Podcast, where weekly messages are available for your hearing. I believe. We, we started a sermon series a few weeks ago. Um, hashtag I believe. And, and it's in regarding to what us as Christians, what, what we must believe. Where we have to have unity. There's a lot of things that are kind of gray areas, but there are things that are absolutes when it comes to the counsel of God. And we have to know why we believe what we believe, and we have to understand it through the lens of Scripture. Amen? And early, early, in about 115 AD, you know, the, the, the early church fathers kind of penned. There was a lot of heresies and a lot of different teachings trying to infiltrate the church. And so what they did was they came together and they formulated a doctrine that, that would be able to direct the church in the future in regards to what some of these absolutes are where where we it can't be different for you than it is different for me this we have to be in unity and that is the apostles creed it starts off with a declaration i believe in god the father almighty creator of heaven and earth and jesus christ his only begotten son our lord And so the Apostles' Creed is a proclamation that begins with a declaration. And for the past few weeks, we covered topics such as Father God. I think we've got A and B on that one. Creator. And then last week, we did J-C-O-L, Jesus Christ our Lord. We answered questions regarding important doctrinal topics like the Trinity, creation, and some of the characteristics of God. And if you've missed any of these messages, I would encourage you, look us up, uh, iTunes, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Um, we're pretty much on every platform. And if we're not on the platform that you're using, go ahead and send them an email. Get us on that platform, amen? Hmm. All of the messages that are preached here are all available in podcasts for your download for free. You can listen to it, share it, catch up. These messages build on each other. Just as our faith in Christ starts with a belief in our hearts, right? We believe with our hearts, but what confession is then made with our our mouth, with our lips? The content of the Christian faith begins with that affirmation. The affirmation of the God who is, who was, and who is to come. The one that has revealed himself through the prophetic lens of Scripture, the Bible. Amen? Let's switch gears real quick. How many, how, many, how many parents do we have in the house? How many parents? Parents, moms, dads, all parents? Huh? How many people would like to be a parent one day? One day. I may not be a parent now, but one day I would like to be a parent. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. How many people don't want to have anything to do with kids? Like, just don't, like, I don't, kids are. <laughs> All right, we're praying for you. <laughs> something, something special about being a parent. There's some things that really can't be described in words. It has to be felt. It has to be experienced in order to grasp the depth of it. Amen? 
I, I, I remember the first time I can remember having this type of experience, something that took me deeper, so much more uh, profound than, than where I was. This, this truth that I came in contact with was uh, May 5th in the year 2000. May 5th, Cinco de Mayo, is a day of celebration for independence. Mexico. It's also, it's also the birth of our first daughter, Hannah Rose Lindenberg. There she is. <laughs> game changer, man. When she was born, what a game changer. It opened my eyes to things that I never realized. You know, your mom will tell you, You'll never understand until you have kids how true that is. Come on. I, had, I, I mean, when I held Hannah, when she came in and I held her, I, it, was, she, it was, she knew my voice. I, I used to sing. I used to sing to, to, to the belly. <laughs> and I had this song that, that, that I used to always sing to her and, and don't you know that when she was born and I began to sing this song to her she went and, and just followed my voice and knew exactly who I was and what that song was it was amazing it, it gave me a new level of respect for my mom like because when I see when you see the process and you're cutting umbilical cords you you see the pain the anguish the sacrifice that it takes Mom was like in a whole new light for me. I, my wife, a, a whole new level of respect, a whole new level of love that I didn't think was possible. And I thought that that was it. Until three years later, August 24th, 2003, our second child was born, Kristen Elaine Lindenberg. Now, Kristen's not here uh, this morning. However, y'all know her. She sings here on the worship team. She's one of the lead vocals. There she is, sprawled out, showing her sexy body. All them curves. <laughs> when I tell you game changer, game changer, again, open my eyes to yet another truth. That, that just when you think that your heart is full, God can open up another chamber. He can take you to a deeper level of love that you didn't even know was possible in your heart. My God, my little girl, my little chinita. <sighs> and then, and then, on March 26th of 2008, we had gotten our miracle. It was a miracle. And I'll tell you why it was a miracle. Because it, this, this, this young man did not come without his own spiritual warfare. Unexpected pregnancy. Weren't, really weren't looking for it. Waiting for it. Caught us by shock and surprise. And so many complications. Robert Aiden Lindenberg. Notice he's what? Two? Nine months. Notice he's got a cast on his left arm. <laughs> That'll just go to tell you the story of Robert Aiden Lindenberg. <laughs> 
We had frequent flyer miles to the hospital and to the ER. We were in and now premature labor. There was an umbilical cord strangulation complication that came in with every contraction. He was being choked out. Um, he wasn't supposed to make it. But God. But God. You know? Amen. Miraculously, not only did God give me the day that he was going to be born, like four months prior to, he gave me the day, the month, the date, gave me the hour and the minute that Robert was going to be born. Now, that's a testimony for another day, because anybody who was looking at it from the outside would have thought these are some real serious complications. God's grace. Each one of them grew healthy and happy. And I could see physical and behavioral patterns that would mind-boggle me. Like, you know what I'm saying? Different, different uh, uh, um, acts or, 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 or um, physical reactions that they would do or things that they would say or, or respond in certain ways. And I would think, how can it possibly be at that age? How young? I, I could see a reflection of Eunice. I could see a reflection of me in their lives. I mean, Hannah looks like Eunice, but she acts like me. Kristen is like kind of in between the two and definitely is a clown to acts like me. And then Robert, oh my God, he is so me. <laughs> Sorry, babe. <laughs> Each one grew healthy, happy. I could see these physical manifestations, these reflections of Eunice and I. And when people came and to see, tell us and to say, oh my God, how great your kids are. Oh, they were in class and your kids were this. And, and I can't believe the way she sang and her heart. She really, she really touched me. And, and all of these things fill, as a parent, fills your heart with such emotions. Knowing, knowing that we are our children's covering. We are their covering. Children need a covering. And to think that we being their covering as, as people are, are acknowledging them truly, truly. Are they not acknowledging us? Huh? Bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. This is a seed of our seed. Our children. Look at your neighbor and tell them, parents are the covering of their children. Hallelujah. Would you open up your Bibles, open up your devices, thumb it through to the book of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 34 through 38. That's when the church folk, they come in and they're like, oh, he's an Old Testament preacher. Hmm, you got to watch out for him. Fire and brimstone. <laughs> uh, chapter 40, verse 34 through 38 in the book of Exodus. And we're going to pick it up on the 34th verse. Hallelujah. And the Bible, the word of God says, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tabernacle of meeting, because the cloud rested above it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle 
Whenever the cloud was taken up from above the tabernacle, the children of Israel would go onward in all their journeys. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not journey till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord, come on, say cloud of the Lord, was above the tabernacle by day and fire was over it by night in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your presence. We thank you, God, for your living word that is sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray right now, Lord Father God, that you would fill my mouth with the words that this congregation needs to hear. The things that you have imparted me throughout the course of this week, I pray, God, that you would give me the, the wisdom and, and, and the articulation to be able to make it plain and make it clear that we would be able to grow, oh God, and that you would take us deeper. I pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. We have a mysterious language here. Clouds and coverings. Huh? And this passage of scripture makes mention of these things that, that covered and, and whose presence was within the tabernacle. The dictionary of biblical languages translates in Hebrew cloud, a name, often looked at as a covering. A cloud or a covering. And what it was was a visible mass that usually of condensed water and vapor in the atmosphere. It was a relatively dense enough to block light. And so there's a note that was written. And this can refer to a natural or supernatural occurrence. Either as protection or as a symbol of gloom. James A. Swanson. The New American Commentary, Douglas Stewart, describes it and explains it like this. It was a way God chose to manifest himself, a visible presence indicating a symbol of an invisible God. It was a way God chose to manifest himself at the time, a visible presence indicating the symbol of of an invisible God. This pillar of cloud, the supernatural phenomenon of God's presence, which guided the Israelites through the wilderness. Other areas that we can see as far as the glory of God, this, this, this tangible, manifested, vapor kind of cloud thing that covered, was able to cast shadows and yet not really touch. Come on. There's a word that the Hebrew would call this. It was the Shekinah glory. Huh? You ever heard that word? Shekinah. It's the Shekinah glory. It's a transliteration of a Hebrew word meaning the one who dwells or that which dwells. See, because God in his light, he, he's often not seen until he can make himself manifest in such a way that people would see him. And so there was a cloud. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go, hold on.
Mic check one, two. Okay. The light of, the, of God was always present. Our spiritual eyes weren't open to see it. God brought forth a manifestation through a cloud that manifested the light that's there. Without the cloud, you can't see it. But because the cloud came, you see the presence of God. Check this out. The light was always there. Without the cloud, it was hard to see him. How do you see the invisible God? God chose to make himself visible through the cloud. The same usage of this imagery in the Old Testament, believe it or not, is also used in the New Testament. You need this cloud to manifest so that we can see his presence. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1 verse 30. Luke chapter 1 verse 30. Very famous passage of scripture. This is the angel of the Lord appearing to Mary to let her know about her pregnancy. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? Since I do not know a man. That's in the biblical sense. And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. There's a Greek word there, epikiazo. Epikiazo. And that means to overshadow to cast a shadow upon. This was the same usage of the Old Testament with the cloud of covering in the tabernacle that casted a shadow. This caused the presence of God to be known and to be seen. Now, the funny thing about the cloud, you ever notice when you're walking out and it's a sunny day and the cloud comes, the cloud then covers the sun or really it's covering you. And there's a shadow that formulates over us because of this cloud, this presence. And just like the Old Testament, the cloud was the manifestation of the presence of God. Here upon Mary, we see a cloud manifesting the presence of God over Mary's womb. Doesn't touch her, but overshadows her. Through that overshadowing, we see what we now call the Immaculate Conception. This is why we must affirm and be in agreement that we believe that he, Jesus Christ, was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary. Why a virgin? Why a virgin? You know that um, since the fall of man, every birth that has come out, 
It's like diabetes. It's a disease. We call it original sin. The moment that we're born into this flesh and into this world, there's, there's this, this propensity inside of us, within us, is the knowledge of good and evil. And we have the propensity for both. And because of that, there's a sinful nature that comes in. There's, it's a rebellious nature that comes before God. I, I noticed we had a lot of parents in this house. How many of y'all chase after your two-year-olds? Huh? Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't, don't you give me no attitude. And what do they do? <laughs> You're rebellious little. They're, re, they're in rebellion. <laughs> it's already there. You don't have to teach them that. You don't have to teach them that. It's, it's innate. It's within their carnal nature. And so what we got to do is we've got to then nurture the good and the light. Hallelujah. To be born of a virgin means that she never knew a man in the biblical sense. That means that this birth was not a birth of the physical nature. This birth was that of a spiritual nature, an overshadowing. She was left untouched. Why? Because that child that was born through her was born without sin. He was born without the carnal nature. I mean, I couldn't imagine what Jesus was like as a child. I mean, he might, like a perfect child. Ay bendito, que lindo. He's such a good boy. Except for the moment that he goes missing and, you know, didn't you know I need to be about my father's business? Like 13 years old, what are you kidding me? You just got by Facebook. I thought you was you with, come here, I thought you was with your father. Imagine trying to correct Jesus. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that He's, we know that he's called the only begotten son of God. And Jesus is the glory of God. He is that Shekinah weight of God. He is the manifestation of the presence of God. While we looked upon the cloud, the cloud brought forth Jesus Christ in the carnal flesh, the immaculate conception. This was Jesus now on the scene without sin, perfect and blameless, without spot. That cloud turned into Christ. And when we behold Jesus, according to Colossians, we behold the image as of the only invisible God. To look upon the face of Jesus is to look upon the face of God. Come on. We don't, have, we don't need a cloud anymore. We have the person. Isaiah 7.14, it's a fulfillment of prophecy. 700 years before this event even took place, the prophet wrote, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The same language was also used later on in the New Testament. Matthew chapter 17, 1 through 6. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His fame shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, 
One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright, what was that? Cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. One of the things that I want to point out here, and this is very important, to hear him is to obey him. Come on. To hear him is to obey him. What, what good is it to hear something and not be able to act upon it? What good is it to hear something and not be able to use it? To hear him in the same concept of understanding his statutes and his commandments is also to follow them, to do them, to obey them. John 14, 15 says this, If you love me, keep my commandments. This isn't a suggestion. This isn't a, if you follow me, if you obey me, it will go well with you. But if we disobey and we rebel, we reap our own rewards. Amen? Amen. Our obedience to Jesus is a direct reflection of our love for him. My brothers, my sisters, we can't, we can't profess to love Christ and yet not be able to walk in obedience to him. Is this a perfect walk? No. But it's got to be the desire of your heart to please the Father. It has to be the desire of your heart to want to obey his commandments. For the moments that we lose, we, we, we miss the mark for the moments that life and temptations and anger and situations they have life happens the adversary is real we have an enemy he's always looking to trip us up my challenge to you church is are you are you living defeated or are you living in victory because what's going to be the reflection of that is the depth of your love towards Jesus. I mean, maybe Jesus at this point has been, you know, the rules and the do's and the don'ts, or Jesus was Savior and he died for me. But what does that mean? Well, if he died for me, that means that I ought to live for him. Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but he who lives in me. To eradicate the sin in my life. To make me clean and righteous and holy before his sight. So that then he can breathe into me. His cloud of presence. His Ruach Kadosh. His Holy Spirit. That he can breathe his spirit inside of us. And that we would be the temple of the Most High God. That wherever we would go, people would see not our lives, not the old lives, but that they would see Jesus and his love and his compassion. The proof is in the pudding, family. Nothing destroys faith more than people that would profess him by their lips and deny him by their lifestyle. If, if we can't live for him, 
<laughs> then we don't understand him. We don't know him. Because to know him is to love him. Hallelujah. As I wrap up next week, we're going to explore here why Jesus is Christ, Jesus is God's only son. The, the, the singularity of that. How he was suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. And how he descended into hell. And then we're going to cover how on the third day he rose again from the dead. How he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come again to judge the living and the dead. In the Old Testament, his manifested presence was seen in the cloud. But now, his manifested presence is seen in Jesus Christ. Can others see his light in you? Wherever you go, are you leading or are you following his cloud? Who's leading? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it your own will and your own desire? I'm here to tell you this morning, family, that the Holy Spirit is alive and is active. We felt his presence here this morning when we were in worship. Hallelujah. We're going to continue to feel his presence here. This is going to be a lighthouse upon the hill that's going to draw this community unto him. Praise him. His manifested presence is not seen by an overshadowing cloud, but by the fruit we begin to produce. The fruit becomes his glory his shekinah it's what's tangible it becomes tangible do you, do you see that our fruit becomes what's credible about his ministry it's the direct effect of his love on my heart the transformation praise him have you placed your faith in him family have you allowed him to be your covering? Call you son and daughter. Are you following his cloud? Or is this the only place that you come to encounter it? Because it doesn't have to stay here. His cloud, his presence can go with you. You can take it with you. Ask him, lead, lead me, oh God. Let your Holy Spirit, let your cloud, let your manifested presence, oh God, be my path. That I would neither turn to the left or to the right, but to stay on. The Peak Community Church is a young, vibrant, life-giving church in the heart of Peekskill. Come and visit us on Sunday mornings, 10 a.m. at the historic Elks Club, 1038 Brown Street. Thank you for listening.